Jamie Emerson here, founder of Chronic Hope. Today I'm interviewing Saskia. Saskia is a Sydney-based young professional, as well as a student of advertising. She's been living with fibromyalgia for a number of years, and she's going to share a story around how she got fibromyalgia, what fibromyalgia actually is, as well as how she manages her symptoms and finds hope in the midst of living with a chronic condition. Stay tuned. Yeah, so we're going to just get straight into hearing about Saskia's story. Uh, The first question that I sort of ask is in regards to her background and kind of what kind of led her to getting fibromyalgia. So we're going to hop over to my chat with her. I had a pretty standard childhood, you know, the middle child of two other siblings, three children that I couldn't do the maths there for a sec. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we moved around a lot growing up. Like my, because I'm half Dutch, we spent some time in Holland. My dad got moved to Korea for work. So my first language was Korean. Um, just had like, yeah, moved around a bit, had lots of different schools. Um, but that really helped, you know, bring confidence, I guess, like self-assuredness. Um, and then came back to Australia and I never really knew what I wanted to do when I finished school. So I just kind of jumped around from job to job. Um, And yeah, tertiary education just kind of fell in my lap, praise God. Um, I came back from uh, a missionary organization where I was um, in a discipleship school and couldn't find a job when I got back. And then my friend who worked at UTS at the time was able to get me an interview for a job there and somehow I beat out like 50 people for a job there and I'd just come straight off the back of you know living on a sailboat and then you know in Turkey and stuff like that I had like no experience um so yeah that was really great and um when I was like working and and working with students and looking at how they live and stuff I realized I actually really want to do something a bit more with my life like I was happy before then just floating around doing whatever um but at this point I was like 25 26 and I was like yeah I should probably start to think about my future what I want to do and what I can bring um and I was thinking about my life and I've actually had a lot of like psychological difficulties I've had a lot of uh quite a few you know pretty nasty things happen to me um and I've just had a lot of help from psychologists in the past and um yeah, when I was going through a really stressful time just a couple of years ago, a psychologist was really great at helping me fix my fix, as well as you can fix my panic attacks and anxiety that I started to get. Um, And I realized I wanted to do that for other people. I wanted to really help other people um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, encourage them in the way that I'd been encouraged. Um, But then, you know, fibromyalgia, reared its ugly head more so than it had for the majority of my life and you know introduction of the brain fog which really sucks meant that I would get home from you know a full day at work and I would be trying to do my assignments or writing an essay or just writing a freaking email and I would become dyslexic to the point where I could not remember how to spell the most basic words um and then I couldn't even like google them because my spelling was so off that i had no idea like google had no idea what i was trying to say um and so that of course stressed me out which exacerbated fibromyalgia and then i got really depressed because 
I thought I was just going to fail. I was never going to find a career. Had to defer that for a while at the instruction of my doctors because I had a few days of complete paralysis where I couldn't lift my limbs or do anything. Um, and then, yeah, I, after a little while of a break of that, um, I just realized that the creative side of my brain was still working really well. It was the logical side of my brain that I don't know how scientific the two sides of the brains are. Like I'm not a scientist, but yeah. we'll just call them the sides of the brains. The, I know it's the areas of the brains, but anyway, um, yeah. So the logical side of my brain would get really, really exhausted. And that would mean that, you know, I couldn't do my essays. I couldn't think logically, but I could still, you know, do creative stuff. I could still write songs. I could still play my ukulele. I could do a puzzle, draw a picture. So I, and I realized that actually really lifted me up and encouraged me. So I started thinking about a career that's more creative based and that's how I got to advertising because um, I know there's a lot of negative stigma around advertising, but I yeah. strongly believe that that's an area now where people can actually they can watch an ad and instead of feeling like they need something to make them, you know, okay to make them acceptable in society, they can see an ad and be like, I'm already acceptable. Like I don't need to have the latest technology or I don't need to be the skinniest, most attractive person in order to be okay. But Hey, that's a cool thing because that makes me think of how good I already am, you know, like, so it kind of works with advertising, but it also is, building people up which is what I want to do and that you know goes back to my initial thoughts of psychology of building people up and, and helping them be okay with themselves that's a really long answer no I love that um I just, <laughs> I, I just keep thinking I'm so in admiration of I guess your journey uh to that because I I think I feel very similar uh when you go through something you know so challenging it's, it drives you to help other people, I think, with whatever sort of yeah. energy, you know, because, yeah, I had chronic fatigue when I finally recovered or when I was sort of on the path to recovery and, like, looking at my capacity was like this. I'm just thankful for whatever life I'm given at this stage because there's moments where I'm in so much, I've been in so much pain and so tired, I couldn't do anything. So any energy, any life, any painless moments, I want to give to helping other people because the issue of fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, chronic condition, it's rising globally. And we're even looking yeah. at it like with the COVID situation, it's actually highlighting how many people are actually struggling with cardiovascular conditions, um, cancer, or like a wide range of conditions. It's, it's a huge, it's a massive problem. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah, it's probably totally. growing because of the stress levels that everyone is under in Australia, like and globally, you know, with the more technology that we have, as, as great as technology is, it makes people feel like they have to be constantly like on go, go, go. It's really hard to switch off and let your mind and body recover, you know. And I know with like fibromyalgia, particularly, like excessive stress is a really big trigger for it to actually get really bad. So I feel like if people don't, yeah, give themselves that rest as society is prone to do now, it does make it a much yeah, more prevalent disease. Exactly. And so can you tell, if you don't mind telling me, talking to me a little bit about fibromyalgia, maybe just quickly explain what it is and then yeah. how you got it and <coughs> what sort of what your journey has been like with that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I can try. <laughs> um, yeah, fibromyalgia is different for every person. There's no like set script of what your symptoms are going to be like. Um, typically, it revolves around, you know, all over body pain, fatigue, depression, um, yeah, nerve pain, that sort of thing. But there's no actual source of the pain. <laughs> so, like, for me, for example, I get really nasty nerve pain in my muscles, which doesn't make scientific medicinal sense but it makes sense in my brain because that's what my brain feels um and then if i've got a really bad pain in my bicep i can't just put a heat pack on my bicep because the pain is coming from my brain um there for, for some people they've proven that uh there's an area of your brain that um tells your nerves and your body that you're in pain um and so they believe that for people with fibromyalgia that area of your brain is like too active so for me, I've started taking a antidepressant that focuses on that portion of the brain to limit the signals that it sends out. And I found that's actually helped me a lot uh, with my physical pain. Um, I don't, before starting to take that, I pretty much had every single day severe muscular pain where I felt like um, as if I had run a marathon uh, or like done what, well, no, not a marathon, a triathlon because it's not just my legs. Um, yeah. Like I would literally feel like I'd just done a triathlon and I'm, you know, I mean, I, I used to be fit, but I wasn't triathlon fit. Um, but every single muscle in my body hurt and we couldn't work out why. And it just got so bad. Um, and then it started to progress, progress where I would get severe nerve pain. Um, as well in my limbs when it was at the really, really severe stage. And then shortly after I got nerve pain, um, I would send a signal from my brain to my arm to lift my arm and my arm would not move. Um, I think it was just in so much pain, like my brain was just flooded with pain signals. So to actually move my arm was not possible. So I, I got to a point where I, um, yeah, I couldn't, you know, drink water. I couldn't get myself to the bathroom. Um, my sister had to come and, you know, help me. And yeah, it was, it was quite a scary time and it all just started. Uh, well, the doctors think that I've had fibromyalgia since I was a child. Um, but people can live with it for years without realizing, like I would get tired a lot. I always, you know, needed to leave things earlier and have more time by myself. Um, than other people go to bed earlier. I always needed more sleep and never felt as rested as other people. Um, but then when I went through a really, really stressful stage uh, at a workplace where there was like workplace bullying and um, just completely inappropriate uh, requirements of me, um, my body shut down. Um, yeah, I got to a point where, yeah, I literally picked up a piece of paper from the ground. I dislocated my shoulder, dislocated a rib, tore a couple of muscles and had to have time off because of that. Um, it was a workplace injury, so the workplace was really great in helping me with my rehab and everything. But the time off that I needed helped me realize like my body was not coping. Um, I yeah had significant anxiety at this point as well. Um, my brain was just always worried, stirring, trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to make me feel better, but I just constantly felt worse and worse. Like, yeah, significant depression, anxiety, and just 
severe pain, I realized like it wasn't normal. Whereas before I just pushed myself so hard that I thought what I was going through was normal. And then when I stopped and like, you know, I'm talking about my shoulder and I'm talking about all these other pains, people are like, well, that's not normal. What you're feeling, that's not normal, that you don't have to go through that. Um, so, you know, that started the whole journey of uh, trying to work out, well, what's wrong with me? Um, my grandmother passed away a couple of months later and I finally, regrettably, finally, finally took the time to actually learn about her. And um, I learned that she had chronic fatigue. Um, and as I was reading her biographies and stuff about her life, I recognized a lot of what she felt and went through in her younger adult years in, in what I was going through. Um, so that actually gave me a name to start investigating. Whereas before I would go to the doctors and I'd say, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And they're like, all right, we'll go to this physician and this physio and go to this Cairo and try, you know, this medicine and muscle relaxants and all that stuff. And it's like, well, that doesn't help me. Like it's not physical. Um, though at the time I didn't know that. And when my sister once tried to tell me that I, she thought I was just extra sensitive to pain, I screamed at her because I was like, I'm not sensitive. I completely took it the wrong way. It was hilarious. That just shows how ignorant we are of these like illnesses. Like I thought she was, um, oh, what's the word? I thought she was just being mean, like teasing me. And like, you know, when you're kids, oh, you're weakling. Like, so her being like, oh, you're sensitive. But it, she wasn't like that at all. She studied it a little bit and had like an actual diagnosis for me. And if I'd listened to her like four years ago, I probably wouldn't be where I am now, where I'm on medication and, you know, having to work from home two days a week uh, before COVID. Now I'm working from home full days. But before COVID, I was even working from home a couple of days a week because the stress of the commute was really caught making it hard for my body to relax. Um, but yeah, so had a stressful situation at work. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah. So <laughs> then uh, with my from my grandmother, I got a name of a disease that I could start to investigate with doctors. Um, and so yeah, we started down that path, and then through several other doctors and specialists from there, we came to the realization that I have fibromyalgia. And that's my story. So what's been your experience around like? how people around you react to your condition do you feel like like you have support a support group what like in sort of like this external way what has been your experience around that if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah um i think for me the people who were closest to me were really happy that we had a name to what's happened so like my family and my closest friends are yeah they were really relieved um because i have i've had mental not mental i've had physical issues my entire life like as long as i can remember i've had something wrong with my stomach something some injury that i'm feeling the pain for months after the injuries healed mm -hmm. like and then I, my poor parents have wasted so much money on specialists and MRIs and things trying to find out why I was still hurting or, you know, why my stomach was still feeling so unwell or what's wrong with my back or, you know, why I can't run when I was running yesterday, you know. Um, yeah, so they, there was a lot of relief from my loved ones that we had a name for it. But 
then following that it was quite tricky for them to actually understand what it means mm. um i had you know several you know nasty fights with some of them in the early stages because they didn't quite understand that it was a depleting illness like i was getting worse and i couldn't be as um vibrant and and talkative as i once was and so he got very offended uh, this family member and we had a very big fight about that um my yeah my my best friend tries not to tell me how she's feeling if she's feeling tired which kind of to me puts a bit of a difficulty on that relationship because I, I want to know how she's feeling but for her compassion and intense love for me she doesn't want me to feel like she's trying to compare herself with me um so that you know you've got the two kind of extremes there where you know some people are like really really compassionate and that's amazing um but it does get to a point where it's like just just be straight you know you don't have to hide your feelings from me if you're tired you're tired or you know if you were standing funny yesterday and your back is now sore that's okay you i know she's not trying to compare herself to me i come from a very athletic family and i used to be rather athletic myself and you know we've i've got so many energetic friends i was involved in sports like to not be able to do any of that now i feel like people are judging me and you know thinking that there's something wrong with me or as you said thinking that i'm lazy and it's i'm not lazy like the number of nights that i cry myself to sleep because all i want to do is go for a run is just ridiculous like i just want to run jamie <laughs> but um yeah it's it's a very difficult thing to actually take your your thoughts and your fears and shut them down silence them and say no if i'm going to get better i have to take control of this and i have to control my environment and for me getting to the point where i told people about my disease and what i needed that was me controlling my environment i still get some i still get a lot of pity which i hate um but i also get a lot of support so if i am too tired to go to work like the fact that i said before i can work two days a week from home like that would not have been approved if i hadn't had a long standing um example of trying to work but constantly needing days off because i was too tired to get in you know um yeah it's hard to to get that awareness out for the people that are around you but it is to the benefit of your long term recovery like my life is a lot my life quality is a lot better now than it was when i first got the disease because people know and they can help me when i let them yeah and you sound like you've really advocated for yourself and done the leg work which is good i would i wish that it wouldn't like we wouldn't have to if that makes sense that there would you would almost already have that like mm innate advocacy because it's the illness is invisible the condition is invisible so it's really hard for people to relate to that um yeah, yeah. it is very yeah. similar to depression in that way i think you know yeah and i think i don't know if you you mentioned a little a little bit about how stress and like all that has sort of had an impact <coughs> on your um 
fibromyalgia. And it's interesting that you say that. And I don't know how much of that you've explored in your own personal journey, but the reason I recovered from chronic fatigue and chronic pain is because I went through a journey of counseling uh, in 20, late 2018. Um, as a result, it was like, I went, I had this relationship, which then like triggered a bunch of stuff in me. And then we broke up and then I started going to counseling because I just couldn't cope. And through it, it revealed all of these things about like my identity and how I, I had this deep core belief that I was worthless and I had this need to be perfect and like that I actually think that I have no value and all this sort of inner stuff that I never de- I didn't I didn't deal with my emotions. I never let myself feel emotion. And I started letting it out like this, like okay, I'm going to, I mean, there were moments where I would just be laying on the floor crying and I'd be like, someone said something mean to me when I was like 15 and that hurt. And I never let myself like be hurt, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, at the time you're like, that didn't hurt. But then it's like, I've been holding this for years. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) And I went through a season where I cried like every day, two, two months straight. Um, about different things and I felt I literally felt the pain in my back and in my body leave as I was crying mm. it was like this wow. it was it was it was incredible I mean mm. I don't I can't explain it other than like from after that journey I I got my energy back um, I do experience pain still um but it's it's not nearly as bad as it was and that's what made me realize how much of a link between like stress and the mind and the the patterns we have in our brain actually affect our bodies you know yeah i don't know if you i would 100 percent just read this book dr caroline leaf yeah um what is it switch on your brain do you know that do you know? Of I, I know Caroline Leaf. I haven't read the book, but I should read it yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what you're talking about, like your thoughts and um, yeah, the, the power of them. And I mean, that's the difficult thing with a chronic illness, which I found like I, yeah, I have been um, going to a psychologist for oh, many years for many of my issues, but um, yeah, the last couple of years has been to help me get through fibro um and what was my point maybe (laughs) this happens this is called brain fog and it just shuts down um you were we were talking you told me about caroline lee and then um talking about how as well maybe I, i think you were gonna sort of make the point that your journey I was counseling might have helped as well yeah okay we'll go with that I don't know I actually have no idea what I was planning on saying um but yeah like I was seeing a psychologist for like two years to help me with fibro um I kind of came at it from a different angle in that uh I couldn't control my emotions Mm -hmm. um like I didn't know how to control my emotions I'd been so broken and battered by my experiences in the past um 
that everything was just like surface. Like I would be angry like that. I'd be laughing. I'd be crying. Like people mm-hmm. thought I was completely nuts. Um, but it was just because my emotions were so raw. Uh, and because of that, because they were always heightened, my body was under like constant stress um, of just like, what are we going to do next kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he really helped me to control my emotions and through controlling my emotions, like learning how to do that and strategies to do that. It's actually, yeah, it has helped with my pain and with my fatigue because when you are in a deep depression funk, that adds stress to your body, that changes your brain, that changes your DNA. Like as Dr. Caroline Leaf proves, like scientifically proven, negative thoughts will change your DNA. Um, And I think when you do have like fibro or chronic fatigue or one of those, you know, illnesses that are invisible, but they just leave you so freaking knackered, um, it can be really, really hard to find the energy to change your thoughts and be like, no, 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 that's a dark path. Let's go to a light path. Let's think of something happy. Let's find something positive. Like that to me, before I started learning these techniques and, and realizing that, Oh, I don't have to have all my emotions right up here. Like I'm okay. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that had a huge impact on me with, yeah, with how I felt. Like the, Mm. how it's almost like same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it goes to show you how different everyone is. And I think that's why it's mm-hmm. so hard for the medical community is because everybody's so different. They can't put like I mean, hopefully they can sort of find one reason, but at the moment it's so hard to sort of put uh here's the cause, here's the cure, here's why. Yeah. They yeah. just know people There's don't no know. blood test. <laughs> Which, and one of the things that like, I'd love to see happen is more research being done around the mind-body connection. Because I think mm-hmm. that that would change the game in terms of chronic conditions. Because yeah. it's not that we lack the resources to be healthy. I think it's more that mm-hmm. we live in a society that wherever people are stressed, um, there's all these external stressors, the rates of suicide are going up dramatically. Mm-hmm social media, um, technology, like comparisons. And it's, it's so many things are so bad for your mental health. Um, Mm. but it's, I think it's very much related to that. If like, if you ask me my opinion of what's causing chronic conditions, I think it's stress. And I think Mm. it's, um, the rise in mental health conditions and this idea of comparison and all of that, you know, um, Mm, but I'm not a scientist. It's just a theory. <laughs> theory, but it's a, it's a pretty well-founded theory from you know people that I talk to with that kind of issue as well. Like it, yeah. It, it's it's not. I think the the definitive and difficult thing about it is that it it's not as you said. It's not that we don't have the resources, but it's also not that we are less than. It's not that we're, you know, not as capable, you know, which is something that I really struggled with at the beginning. I was like, so what, like, what's wrong with me that my brain is ruining my life? Like, it was really difficult to wrap my head around. And I mean, to be honest, I still don't understand it. I, I still don't know why me. Like, I mean, there are so many people with such worse you know, more severe and more significant issues out there. But 
when you first get a diagnosis like that, when you're feeling so much pain and so much exhaustion and everything, you do think just like, why me? (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's not that we are less like, and then the people that I talk to where I say like, Oh, that, you know, my brain just sends too many signals. They're like, Oh, so what's wrong with your brain? And it's like, well, nothing. My brain was created the way it was created. This is how my brain is working. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm less important than you. That doesn't mean I'm less smart than you. That doesn't mean that I will have less opportunities in my life than you. It just means that I need to live slightly differently. But it doesn't mean that my core essential being is less than what you are. Yeah. I and think that's something that identity. needs to be made aware of. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love your perspective and (laughs) I'm just and I felt very similar as well when I had chronic fatigue is like yeah I have this but it doesn't define me and I'm not gonna I'm gonna choose exactly I'm gonna make the deliberate choice to not let this become my narrative and yes I live with it but it's not like it doesn't control how I see myself if that makes sense and Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that goes with anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Some people let other things define them, you know, and it, you know, it shouldn't. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, what do you want to see in the next 10 years happen to help particular people with fibromyalgia, but also like the chronic illness, chronic illness community? What, like, what, I guess, even like on a global societal level, What do you want to see happen? Well, a little while ago, I um, heard about a study that was being done that could potentially find a biochemical cause for chronic fatigue. Um, But they said that was still like years and years and years away. So it'd be really cool to actually, as as you were saying before, get more research happening in that brain-body connection. yeah, see that happening, but also, you know, fine tune and make awareness of the chronic issues. And the reason I say fine tune is because I do get a little concerned that doctors may start to just dismiss patients as having chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or one of those other chronic pain issues. Like, yes, they obviously are legitimate issues, but they should be the end diagnosis it's a tough ass journey to get there lots of tests lots of appointments but you know there's a lot of other illnesses that cause symptoms of it and i know of people who have been diagnosed with chronic fatigue but actually they had a much more serious issue and if that issue had been addressed earlier they might not have had the difficulty in recovering that they had um so yeah i think the diagnosis and everything does need to be fine tuned, but as well as that, the awareness needs to be raised that it is a genuine true issue. Um, But also that we're not, we don't need to be pitied. You know, we don't need to be put into freaking bubble wrap. People always tell me that I need to be put in bubble wrap because I always have something hurting. And I'm like, well, I didn't hurt myself this time. I mean, yes, I'm clumsy, but that wasn't my fault. <laughs> um, I am very clumsy. I wonder if that's because of that. I don't know. <laughs> I literally had but, um, like, we should wrap you in bubble wrap. 
Like, right. <laughs> what is it with a chronic, yeah, chronic pain and bubble wrap? It's not going to help. <laughs> if it was a bubble wrap of like, what's that, like morphine or something, you know, where you can just inhale that and have no pain, then maybe. But uh, otherwise, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Research is a huge, and awareness is a huge one. Um, and I think one of my goals is just to get people's stories out there uh, in terms of like mm -hmm. what, because one of the things that helped me when I had chronic fatigue is I went on this some obscure website from Australia where they literally had like a podcast of people talking about their journey through recovery mm -hmm. from chronic fatigue mm -hmm. and how they like went from really bad place to recovered and I would just sit there on my computer and listen to them. And it was like this really dodgy website. But I just listened and I'd be like, yep, that's going to be me, you know? And um, I think one of the things I'd just like to point out, well, we can finish up soon, but um, in your sort of, just the way that you're approaching it is, and what a lot of people ask me is like, it's this mental, it's a decision. It's a mental decision to mm -hmm. say, I'm gonna do everything I can to either recover or live a full life within the confines of this condition. And I'm not gonna let it yeah. define me. And the pattern that I found in, in those podcasts and what really helped me was this mental fortitude of like, no, I choose life, I choose hope, mm -hmm. I choose to trust that this will get better. And there's something yeah. that changes in your brain when you make that choice. And mm. I th what I, that's what I want to do with chronic hope. You know, there was times where I was in so much pain and so tired that I wanted it to end. Like I, 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 the thought of death felt like relief as opposed to something that yeah. I would be scared of. And I yeah. want people in that moment as opposed to feeling alone, isolated, that they, there's no awareness. I want them to know, like I want them to have access to a community. I want them to be able to listen to music that's specifically catered towards people with chronic conditions where they can be like, no, nope, I'm gonna choose hope because there yeah. is hope. And that's the message I wanna spread because I've been through it. And I know there's mm. hope because I've been in the darkest places and I'm on the other side, you know? Mm. so and that's really encouraging I, I really love what you're doing and I like I'm honored to be a part of it so uh, yeah anything that I can do and help with I would love to thank you so much that concludes my chat with Saskia and thanks for listening stay tuned for more stories of pain and vulnerability and honesty and hope and we hope to have you around next time